Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola, Chula. It's me, Dalida. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for a community, tools to ditch the diet, help with finding authentic health and keeping your culture alive, join my membership brought to you by today's sponsor, me. Many clients tell us that intimacy issues come up because of their body image. Have you ever had the idea your body was not sexy or desirable because of your shape or size? I think this episode is for you. You may wonder, how do you start to become more sex positive as part of your body image work? Hello, this is something I've had to work a lot on. And what if your partner made a negative comment about you or someone else's body? It makes sense that it made you feel insecure about your own. So today we will cover it all with Cindy Lukin, a bilingual certified sex educator from Howl at the Womb. That's where you can find her on Instagram. And by the way, obviously this episode will talk about sex. If now is not the right time or place for you to be listening to this topic, Cindy taught us about consent. If you don't consent to listening to this topic today, maybe you can just catch the next episode instead. Before we start, have we told you lately how much we appreciate you? We appreciate that so many of you are out there breaking the bonds of generational diatrauma by opening your minds and learning with us. It really means something, you know? And Delina and I created this podcast because our mission is to break the diet cycle for the next generation. And we know that can't happen without you. That's why if you found benefit from this podcast, we really want you to review and rate us. You know, someone just like you is feeling really lost right now. And by rating and reviewing the podcast, you make it more likely that she's going to find the information she needs, just like you did, to break free from the diet cycle. Will you chip in with us and rate or review the podcast today? Hi, everyone. We are so, so, so excited to have this conversation with somebody who is also amazing at having this conversation because I feel like our listeners and even the people that we work with have a lot of questions about this. So I'm just going to come out and say it. We're going to be talking about sex positivity. And You're already being a little work. shy, Delina. I, have I, to know, say. I know. She keeps oh saying God. this conversation. Do you notice? We're talking about sex. Own it. What did you say <laughs> earlier? It's segs. And I was like, what the hell is a seg? I see it on TikTok sometimes. They talk about segs instead of sex. I don't know why they do it, but that's what I noticed them doing. Okay, well, know. I didn't know that. Okay, introduce well, our guest. Yeah. Cindy <laughs> Lukin, did I say that right? Cindy yes. Lukin. Awesome. Um, is here 
from Howl at the Womb. I love it. I just love the name. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, everybody? Yeah, introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with Delina and Melissa. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk about this. I have such a passion for teaching people about very taboo things. So let's we can dive right into it when you're ready. I love it. I love it. Like I was saying when I was like beating around the bush, haha. Um, <laughs> I think this is a conversation and a topic that, again, is very taboo, like you said. And I think that it's taboo because many of us have grown up in purity culture. And I love talking about purity culture and how it intersects with body positivity and also just how we view ourselves and how we expect others to view our bodies. So Cindy, can you tell us what purity culture is? Yeah, just so a simple understanding purity culture is usually just this idea or concept or philosophy, right? It could be religious or non-religious. Usually it's religious where you have this idea that having sexual purity, right? Like being clean, being untouched, uh, saving yourself for marriage, um, having one sexual partner, all of those ideas comprise or make up what purity culture is. And so it's, uh, it's a narrative in this, the United States of America that we, um, we see that's like, politically charged, you know, and, and a lot of people in political power do believe and, and continue pushing this narrative. And that's why a lot of us are influenced by that. Yeah. Oh my God. And I think that for me, I always think about like growing up Catholic and I know Melissa, you also grew up I was up just about Catholic. to say my Catholic yeah. heebie-jeebies yeah. are coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Like I remember just like growing up and like no one ever talked I don't like I don't think my parents ever had a conversation with me about sex like they were just mm-hmm. like oh you get pregnant bye yeah, like don't do it, it was, that like, was the message do is don't do it like if it wasn't for my cousins I would not have known like they like sat me down the older ones mm-hmm. and then like when I got my period and they're like this is what happens and but but my mom never never said anything about it and I think again and I've said this in the podcast before it's this idea that we need to be perfect and dainty and like look 15 forever because Mm. if we don't look unhaired like no hair and like baby smooth skin and like tiny little waist and like just like this pure delicate little person that's supposed to please a man but only in the bedroom like you can't let anybody else know that you're doing that and like Mm -hmm. pleasure feels like such a like dirty word and nobody wants to say it like it's so taboo but it definitely impacts our body ideals so can you kind of like bridge that together how does purity culture and everything that I said impact how we feel about our bodies yeah so myself um and how I got into this work is because Culturally, I'm Salvadorian and Guatemalan. I was born here in the United States. So I also grew up in kind of Christianity and Catholicism. And what I noticed and part of my my research when I was doing grad school is I really focused on Latinx communities and Latin American history and all of that stuff. And culturally, like these groups of people, um, our philosophies and ideologies, again, are influenced by purity culture because of colonization. You know, I just need to say that because we all have different ideas and the way purity culture was taught to us, depending on your denomination, religion, whatever, faith system. 
but specifically, you know, our communities in Delina, you know, you speak specifically to Latinas, right? Or Latinx people. Colonization is huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge. And that was what drove purity culture. And so the way it affects body image um, and how that intersects is it, it, we have these ideas about how one should age, uh, how one should behave sexually, those things that you mentioned, what is considered sexy? You know, we see it in the media, usually thin, tall, light skin, straighter hair. Well, now, you know, that changes, right? With celebrity culture and all of that stuff, pop culture, now it's become BBLs and now it's become, you know, having bigger breasts. If you don't fit those things, it's going to start affecting you psychologically and with your mental health and it's all connected with how you connect with your body first and then being vulnerable enough to express your sexuality with somebody else or other mm-hmm. people. It makes you question your desirability when mm-hmm. you don't look like whatever is being presented as desirable because of media or advertisements or the trends, you know, even clothing trends might accentuate or work towards certain body types or others, which makes people feel excluded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And when you're growing up, you know, that affects you a lot. It was, uh, according to a study in 2020, 40 to 50% of first and second graders already didn't like some aspect of their body, right? So that's not the case for everybody. I'm pretty sure that if you're very mindful in how you teach young people to like their bodies or, and I want to, I want to add also, we were talking about body positivity, but I think a lot of people have this idea or pressure that you have to love every single inch of your body every single day. And that's, that's not reality. So I want to introduce body neutrality where you're just kind of, you're thankful um, and you love a certain part of your body for its function and what it's done for you daily for people who might not necessarily be at a place yet where they're fully like, I love myself every day. I don't care what people think. That's not the reality for everybody. Yeah, We'll get there, but also including the fact that we can orgasm. That is something we can do. And I think that that is something mm-hmm. that a lot of women, you know, that tabooness of like pleasure and getting to that point feels scary. But if you are working on neutrality, I would say that could fit as part, the same way we can exactly. feel joy that I can walk or I can breathe or I can, whatever you want to do. That's an organ too. You're downstairs. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an mm-hmm. organ. So <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I'm grateful that my clitoris gives me pleasure. You know, yes, I was just being nervous. To say clitoris. See? Look, so for anyone out there who's like, Oh my God, clitoris. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mother-in-law listens to this podcast. So Sorry. Hi, mother-in-law. Not sorry. We're being, we're being brave and bold so that others can be brave yeah. and bold too. Totally. Yes. And I love that you said that because we often talk about, well, not often, we talk about this all the time, this idea of body positivity kind of like going too far <laughs> and how we do want to think about body neutrality. And you're right. It's so important to realize that you don't have to love your body every single day. And just like Melissa said, it doesn't mean that you don't deserve pleasure if you're in a, in a rough spot where you don't love your body. And also like orgasms are great for your mental health. Mm-hmm. I'm deviating from my next question, but um, can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Well, they release the good feel hormones, right? And that 
just makes your overall, it, it lowers your cortisol response, right? And yeah. cortisol is what hijacks your body and your mental state and your spiritual state, all that stuff into fight or flight, fight, fight or fleet, freeze, right? And so having an orgasm really helps put your body into that parasympathetic nervous system that your body is relaxed, right? You're not surviving. You're not fighting, flying or freezing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and that can be really hard. You know, I'm not saying that everybody like is at this place. And if you're not experiencing that, that's wrong, but it could be very helpful. And it could be an exercise that people can be mindful of to start exploring their bodies and seeing what feels right. Yes. And I think that actually is a great segue into what I was going to ask (laughs) before I asked that question, which was how do you reclaim your pleasure like for ourselves versus like trying to look or serve your partner, which I think growing up in the Catholicism and I don't know about Christianity. I can only think about like growing up Catholic. It's more of like my body was not meant for pleasure for myself. It was more meant for pleasure for my husband. And it didn't Mm. matter if I experienced that pleasure or not, because really it was more about like the pain and having kids than it was about me enjoying sex. And it's more of like, it doesn't matter whether you have an orgasm or not. And like my body was just made for kids. Like I feel like that's how I grew up. Yeah. Right. Like my (laughs) wifely duties and then birthing my children. And then that's it. Like Mm -hmm. you don't deserve anything else. And it's obviously not the case. So how can we reclaim that for ourselves? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. I think, first of all, we have to understand that sexuality and sexual expression evolves as you develop and become an adult. And then eventually you become a more seasoned adult or older advanced age. And that doesn't mean that your sexuality is gone. I think there's different markers, Delina, like you mentioned, where if you give birth, that your sexuality is like gone, right? You do, you did your job, you reproduced, like you're not sexual anymore. Um, and then there are, there's another marker, right? If you hit menopause, guess what? You're like dried up and you're done, like shop closed, <laughs> you know? So there's these different ideas that just continue to make us feel like pleasure is something we have to reclaim when it should it is part of just existing as a human so some ways that we can do that is first of all taking a look at what was taught to us about pleasure all the things you both mentioned growing up in catholic school or or catholicism you know what were the ideas that were told to you about pleasure Was it something that was hush-hush? Was it something that you were made to feel shame or guilt about? How are you carrying that? When you think about these things, how is your body responding? Another way is uh, doing an exercise, really being bold and, and standing in front of the mirror and looking at your body without clothes and being like, this is my body. This is what it looks like. And it deserves to feel pleasure. It deserves to feel good. One thing that my mind is kind of gravitating towards is when we think about intuitive eating, which is the framework Delina and I leverage as dietitians, the hub of that is satisfaction. Everything you're doing as an intuitive eater is to move towards satisfaction and you're not going to always get it right and it won't be perfect. Mm-hmm. 
And I think you're almost coming from that same perspective where when we give ourselves permission to eat, we're more likely to have satisfying food experiences. When we give ourselves permission for pleasure, we're more likely to have satisfying sexual experiences. Mm -hmm. So I do think what you're talking about nestles so nicely, like it generalizes from that worldview that our clients learn when they're working with us. It's nice to see, it's nice when things kind of connect like that and, and, and mm-hmm. it hopefully empowers people. If you found some peace with food, what if that could generalize to other areas of your life? Definitely. Like all these different aspects in your life are so connected, you know, the, the mind, the body and the spirit, you know, it's, it's all connected. You are just like one vessel of all of that <laughs> manifesting, you know, and part of that is sex, sexuality and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I think to bring it back to kind of like what you were saying at the beginning of like colonization and just how that intersects with all of this. I think, you know, Melissa and I have had really tough conversations about this. Like we just talked about it in the episode that's going to air probably before this, which was social determinants of health. But we talked a lot about, you know, just race and how that intersects. And then I think that also intersects with pleasure as in like, you know, we live in this world that prioritizes the hustle mentality, perfectionism, kind of like that patriarchy of like, we just have to do, 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 do. And we can't take time to have pleasure or even just like have time for ourselves. People feel so guilty when they're not productive, right? Mm -hmm. And when you feel that way, you never make time for the pleasure because pleasure doesn't seem productive, mm-hmm. but it is productive because like you said, it's helping you release all of these hormones <laughs> that help you reduce and break the stress cycle, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of is like one of our body's mechanisms of like helping us stop that fight or flight freeze, mm-hmm. like freeze mm-hmm. right? it was like built into us <laughs> yeah yeah literally like your body functions in that way and it's really amazing when you think about like oh my body can experience pleasure well what does that feel like to me and then you can start exploring that and you can start exploring not only what feels right but what doesn't feel right I'm always going to preach about consent and informing yourself and informing who you're trying to, you know, have sex with. I don't like this. These are my boundaries, you know, and speaking up about it. And I think that that also comes into the purity culture that, that it didn't teach us, you know, it's, you were mentioning like, oh, we're in service of our partners, but we're not taught that we don't have to be, you're, you're not, you're not existing to serve somebody else. You're, existing to build and create a relationship if you choose to do so with somebody that respects your body and respects who you are relationship thing is so key (laughs) and it it links back to like these ideas that when we talk about colonization and race and all these things the reason why i think it's important to understand this is that for so long lots of groups of people were not invited to have space to feel safe and to create this in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so Delina, you talk a lot about this. I learned from you a lot, but particularly for people who maybe like my parents, my mother is a uh, second generation Italian American. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandparents are immigrants here. And so I see this with her sometimes where she doesn't 
think she deserves to rest because her parents didn't. And I think that trickled down to me. Delina talks a lot about this as well, being the oldest daughter in her family. What's the eldest daughter in Encanto that you, Louisa? Uh, Louisa. Okay, yes. No. Delina equals Louisa. That song was about me too. I also related. Cindy, are you the oldest? Yeah. Okay, we're all older sisters. So figure. Yeah. Vibing. Anyway, so I want to ask you guys, like, especially for people who maybe are the first in their families. We talk about that in this podcast. Like we want our listeners to become the first in their families to break their dieting cycles. This might extend to pleasure and your relationship to that. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? Um, I'm a little further removed from that than you are. I agree. I agree that this is about breaking all the generational trauma, right? And Cindy, I think you could definitely discuss a lot more, but I think, you know, we're going to talk about Encanto, but the reason why Encanto <laughs> resonated so much, and I know it feels weird to talk about that movie when we're having this conversation, but bear with me, we're going to bring it together. Yeah. <laughs> but it talks about like every character is like a trauma or something that just has been like passed on through generation and generation. And again, like Luisa literally at the, you know, she's meant to serve others, right? Like she says she can't take a, what's the part in the song? that says like if i'm not crap now i can't think of the, the words for the song my brain's like, like singing the song yeah right i'm singing now. the song but i'm not going fast <laughs> enough but there's a point where she's like if i'm not serving others and what am i doing right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's not i don't i can't remember the exact words right but then at the oh spoiler alert crap i'm just gonna say if you didn't watch skip fast forward 30 seconds um <laughs> But then at the end of the movie, when they rebuild Casita, her and Isabella are singing and she like sits down and Isabella is like, no, good rest. Mm. Um, mm, and I never like noticed a, that. I'm yeah, going to watch like it again full, now. Yeah, it's like a full circle moment because Casita brings a hammock out and she lays down oh, um, okay. after she puts down the big pot. And she's like, I don't know if I can do this. And Isabella is like, yes, you can. And then yeah. like puts her down and then starts creating something that's not perfect. And then it goes into her. So it's like a full circle moment of like, we're taught like, again, to serve everybody, but never mm-hmm. take care of ourselves. And all of this interplays with what we're talking about today, right? Like mm-hmm. you go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And you just never take time. And it's going to feel uncomfortable. Like yeah, that yeah. scene you're describing, like, I think everyone's sort of like, okay, I'm aspiring to be more sex positive and include pleasure. I'm aspiring to be an intuitive eater, whatever it is. Therefore I try and I'm jumping off the deep end. Like, no, 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 no. Back to this consent conversation. Like you're, you're leaning into it and you're getting feedback. And if it feels uncomfortable, you have permission to pull back. You don't have to go to the extremes of your mind just because you're ready to start exploring this. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing to say. And same with intuitive eating. Like you can consent to the process if it feels like too much, too fast. You can always pull back and still move toward these ideals for pleasure, for satisfaction. If, if it's something that's calling to you these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. No, I think going back to the movie, it it's funny. I was watching it with my husband and then he's like, that's you. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it is me, you know, as the oldest sibling and of all sisters as well and first generation born in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's it's like all these different intersectional factors. And when we're talking about breaking that generational trauma in my family, we never talked about sex. You know, my parents tried their best. And I think when they taught me 
no, not I think I know when they taught me, it came from very much a fear-based mentality because my dad was 16 and my mom was 17. So they were afraid that their kids were going to do the same thing and just struggle and try to raise a kid and be a young, a, a young kid raising kids. So they really, really taught us to, or at least spoke to me about what not to do. And basically was like, don't have sex at all, (laughs) you know, or that when you have sex, this is why your relationship is not healthy, you know, Mm. Um, which, which are not, it's not, that's not necessarily the case. It's the lack of education that puts us in situations where we don't recognize behaviors that are not beneficial to us in our mental state, in our, in our physical health. It's the behaviors that are the problem, not necessarily the, the action itself, you know? For sure. I love that. I love how we just like tied and Gando into all of this and uh, <laughs> everything didn't make anybody uncomfortable. Needed to the, be said has been said I mean, now. It's been said, it's been said, but yeah, I, yeah, it's always a fear, a fear-based thing. And I think Melissa and I talk a lot about that on the podcast, like almost everything we learn in life is from a fear-based perspective. And it's so hard to kind of like remove ourselves from that, right? Like remove mm-hmm. ourselves from, from this idea that like I'm allowed <laughs> and I can. And so I think the next segue to the next question would be, like you said earlier, pop culture, fashion, just like the media itself always suggests that our bodies need to look a certain way, right? So like no body hair, you know, perfectly perky boobs, the BBL, which is the Brazilian butt lift for people that don't know, flat bellies, perfect skin, no bumps, no stretch marks, none of that. And so for also no sweating, no sweating, no- yeah bodily functions at all exactly and so for, I know for myself this has been a struggle but also for a lot of our listeners like this idea of how can we make more peace and feel less shame about our bodies when it does look different from what the media is putting out there which I'm going to be honest probably like 99% of people look different <laughs> Can I come down to a more like micro micro level here? Because I think for a lot of clients, like, yes, it's the media, but I think for a lot of clients, they have overheard a former partner or a current partner say, I I just had a client the other day where the former partner was watching TV and she's so hot. And that Mm. person is calling hot is always in the same body type. And so ipso facto, am I desirable to you, my real life partner? So I do think there's this like, global Mm -hmm. thing that makes people think this, but I do think there's, there's interpersonal interactions, sort of like when people describe when I lost weight, people were complimenting me. And then when I gained it back, they said nothing. It's Mm -hmm. not a direct attack against your body, but you're, you're putting, you're putting together the dots here about what, what you perceive this other person cares about. So I just want to put that into our conversation. Cause I think a lot of people aren't quote, like making it up out of the ether like they actually mm-hmm, have experiences mm-hmm. where someone said their bigger body was a belly was unattractive for example so mm. discuss yeah no that's unfortunate <laughs> you know and and that can be hard and that that can scar you you know I can imagine that can scar you and this is where I think having an understanding of yourself and what you will tolerate and what you will not tolerate in your relationship and what will make you feel 
desired and loved because you deserve that in just communication style. If you're with the partner that's making you feel bad about your body just existing the way it does, that says something about them, not you. Right. And getting that inner self-talk to notice it Mm -hmm. and be able to say that's, that's a skill, right? And Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, they think, well, I would never, it hurts too much at that first hearing Mm -hmm. of that phrase or that interaction. Yes. And it is a skill to cope through that hurt and to have that inner boundary setting, which can become outer boundary setting over time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I'm not saying here, go break up with somebody because they, they told you this or that, you know, I think it's, there's a lot at play here when it comes to relationships. It's so complex, but what I really want to drive home for listeners is that really knowing yourself is is what's going to be important here. It's what's going to lead you into getting to a place. If you want to become more sex positive, having healthier communication with a partner. And sometimes that can be like, Hey, what, you know, what you said the other day, uh, I, I really didn't appreciate that. Like that did not make me feel good. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, if it, if it's safe to do so, then having that conversation with them, if it's not safe to do so, then, you know, that that's a whole other thing that we that would have to be a whole other episode, <laughs> you know, yeah. feeling safe is, is very important in all of the conversations that we have. And, and that's what, you know, almost like bringing it back to like consent, right? Like if mm-hmm. like you have to have this relationship where you can be able to express how you feel, express your consent, but also express you know, things that you don't like because relationships go both ways, right? It's not, mm-hmm. again, about just pleasing the other person. It has to be both, but also you have to be, I think what where I'm going with this is like, you have to be comfortable in your own body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and experience pleasure for yourself a lot of the times before you feel comfortable letting other people help you with the pleasure. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's making sense, right? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the work, like you said earlier, like has to be done kind of like by ourselves on our own to explore and like learn about our bodies and connecting with ourselves is so important because like this is the one relationship you're going to have forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People come Mm -hmm. and go, Um, partners come and go, whether, you know, we expect it or not. And so being comfortable in our own skin and being comfortable in our own sexuality is important um, Mm -hmm. and and part of all of this, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think also we don't hear very much of a conversation being had about how this affects all genders, right? Any gender, men even, right? If men are not fit, they probably have body image issues too, right? Because that's what they, that's what you're seeing on, on movies and TV, or that's what you hear from family members or, you know, growing up, if you were, if you were a child that was quote unquote overweight, you know, then, then that's going to be something that's going to grow with you and manifest in how you connect with somebody with a partner. What I do want to say is understanding like what could be helpful in reclaiming your pleasure is create a list. What is like your green light things like I'm down for this. Uh, You can touch me here. Um, Having that discussion prior to engaging in sex, you know, you don't want to just like jump into it. Like, okay, what do you mean to, you'd have to like schedule this time (laughs) to do it prior to, right? 
that's where people have this idea that it's like, well, it's, it's off-putting, like it's going to kill the mood. Like, no, I want my partner to know because I want to feel good. And I want you to know what feels good to me. So that way we can have a good time. Yeah. I mean, it's like, have that conversation once or have 10,000 shitty sexual experiences. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's pick your poison here. If it's uncomfortable, get that uncomfortableness over once so that it never happens again and you can enjoy. And I think your partner will appreciate it because they're not going in blind. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know. It's so true. When men find out that women fake orgasms, they're like, what? This is... (laughs) Like the first woman to tell them, no, that didn't work for me. It's that's hard for them to hear. So let's start getting that information out early and sooner. So that well, I think I think also it's it's unfortunate, but um, the patriarchy bites men in the butt too (laughs) because Mm -hmm. to be masculine is to know how to do sex already. You don't need instruction. If you're really a man, then you're gonna know how to please a woman automatically. No how how would you even know like this is why i i teach this this is why education is so important never thought about it that way either oh my gosh her head exploded but my head did explode put it back together (laughs) yeah but you're right you're right i think that that's a double standard i had never even thought to consider look at that i'm always learning but it definitely blew my mind today this is why we pod this is why we pod (laughs) and i will say and correct me if I'm wrong, Cindy, but I think uh, one other thing that we can do to kind of like reclaim our body, our pleasure, and just like being comfortable with our body is if you're into like porn or anything like that, like one watching like ethical porn and then porn that's mm-hmm. like actually real and not like fake or even if, I don't know, even if it is fake, but like real bodies, I will say like mm-hmm. there you can find, you know, porn that is going to look like regular people and have like the same Mm -hmm. type of bodies that you do I forgot if I read it where did I read this it was like an article that kind of like was going through you know porn sites and things like that and you know most of the ethical ones you have to pay for but they were going through the research and they were saying how like people actually search for like real bodies more than like the other type of porn like that is actually more popular love it specifically for people that identify as women mm-hmm. it was like top like 80 percent like search for like regular bodies or like <laughs> just like not posed or yeah. amateur amateur whatever. yeah yeah but like this article was like that like blew my mind because I would always think the opposite like I feel like people would want that like poised thing but it's not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that we're having the pornography conversation because, again, like pornography is something that young people turn to, and most of us probably turn to because we didn't have the sex conversation, tend to turn to porn and think, oh, okay, just do this. And obviously, I see that that's working there. So I'm going to try this. <laughs> but like, you're not even having a conversation. Like, yeah. each person you decide to have sex with, there needs to be a conversation, you know, there, there has to be a conversation of like, all right, we're going to do this together. I like this. I find it really hot when you touch me here or when you use your tongue here or when you suck on this, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. That's awesome. That's healthy and natural and normal. Hmm. I think we all need to hear that. Right. I don't think I've ever heard someone say that phrase. I implicitly came to that conclusion through my own, you know, (laughs) 
self-study and wading through the internet and all of the rest in my lifetime. But we don't hear that message. Like it's okay to want what you want and mm-hmm. it's okay to work toward, I don't know, being okay that you are a desirable person. Like I, I mm-hmm. that is very difficult. I think for people to, it's like a modesty thing too. Like mm-hmm. that comes up, like it's okay that you are desirable. You are, you are. <laughs> yeah. It's okay that you're desirable and it's okay what your desires are. I yeah. think when we think about pornography again, because of purity culture, it's seen as like, oh my God, you're a sex addict. <laughs> you're a sexual deviant. You are a pervert, right? Right. But you're not, you know, sex, sexual desires and the way you express sexuality, like that's, that's its own thing. It has no it does not define you as a person and it does not add or take away value from you. Your desires are yours. And whether you decide to share whatever things that you're into, um, maybe you want to try certain kinks or maybe you're into certain playing with certain toys, whatever that may be, you know, certain categories, it shouldn't make you feel ashamed. It's just part of how you express your sexuality. Yeah. And the meanwhile, your listing idea, I think is very small step and actionable. And even if that happens with yourself to start, if you're not ready to have like that conversation, I know many of my clients have talked about like their partner brushing their belly during sex will immediately shut them down mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, we got to keep the lights off. That's another thing that mm-hmm. I've heard clients mention. So if right now that is a criteria for you to feel safe to have sex, it's okay to hang out there for a little while. Yeah. And I think people like Cindy and other therapists are out there if you'd like to safely explore how to move that that meter along. Cause that's not work Delina and I do, <laughs> to be mm-hmm. clear. It mm-hmm. comes up and we we definitely talk about it uh, as a roadblock to feeding yourself and taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. But it's just so wonderful that you exist because I'm positive people are, are probably very excited to talk with you once they finally get your ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad. I'm happy to talk about these things because they're so important. And I always go back to like the most basic thing that we can think about when it comes to sex. None of us would be here if somebody didn't sleep with somebody else. True. I mean, is that it's, it's not that like simple. starfish where you like <laughs> cut off an arm and a new new one grows it's, it's that simple <laughs> most of us most of us two people hooked up yep and we're here yep and no offense to anybody that uh was created by ivf but they still needed the parts so. yeah exactly. in case because exactly. i feel like in our age group there are some people that were one of the first <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah very true Exactly. You know, we don't think about it that way, but I think that, you know, I, I love where this conversation went. I wish we could talk about this for hours, but can you tell everyone, Cindy, where they can find you and if they want to work with you, how they can, because yeah. do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active at how let the womb has two T's, all one word. And then my website, you know, I have a contact form there. I work specifically um, doing group workshops, training staff. You know, if you work with an organization or if you work at a school, um, I can train people doing that. I talk all about gender, sex, sexuality, pleasure, even the fertility awareness method. We didn't get into that, but it's uh, talking more about birth control, contraceptives, 
STIs are a conversation too that needs to be had. Yeah, all those things. So go to my website, howlatthewomb.com. Again, that's with two T's and hit me up, hit me up to train you, to, to help you explore these very exciting yet sometimes nerve wracking conversations. <laughs> we will put all of that in show notes. So run over there guys, if you want to check out Cindy's stuff. I will be honest. I did feel maybe a teensy bit nervous having this conversation today, but <laughs> I want everyone to know that because sometimes you just got to show up and see mm-hmm. where things go. And I just, I feel like really empowered right now. How do you feel? Awesome. The segs uh, made uh, Melissa uncomfortable. Wait, do we know why the kids write segs? Is it just yes. like a funny trend to explain this to me? I can, I can explain it. So (laughs) for everybody listening, it's S E G G S. And the reason that that's used is because of censorship that's going on in social media. So if you just spell out the word sex, S E X, sometimes there'll be bans on it. Um, Sometimes they won't put your, put your post or your TikTok or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there's a lot of these censorships, which makes it really difficult for people like me who love talking (laughs) about this stuff and and have to actually teach people how to do these things and, you know, have healthy relationships. Um, It makes it really difficult for us. So that's why it's like coded that way. I am like so embarrassing and behind the times. I'm like, what are they just saying? Sags because it sounds silly. Sags. And I'm like, taking this on. I mean, maybe Not some people funny. do it for that reason. Well, but that's why I, I was doing it. So. <laughs> yeah. She definitely texted me and I was like, what the heck are you talking about? I was about, like, are Melissa? you ready to talk about sex today? And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, the kids are saying sex right now. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Now I feel even more educated and hashtag yeah. relevant. <laughs> All right, gals. Good talking today. Thank you so much thank for your time, you. Cindy. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I know that it's really hard to dig into this, right? This whole sex helps feel really, really hard, especially when you probably know, as I do, if you grew up in a Catholic home, how purity culture has impacted our body image. And so I want you to take some time and think about how that's affected your body image, how it's affected even your relationship with food, because all of this is intertwined. And if you're ready to just take a look at how all of this intersects, I really want to invite you to check out the bundle on my website because it helps you really understand how this process can help you, not just in your relationship with food, but also your body image. So I hope that you check out the bundle over at yourlatinanutrition.com and get started even a little bit on figuring out how you can start healing your relationship with food and your body and breaking the diet cycle. Thank you for offering that first step. And thanks to all of you for being here and being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.